0: College Hoops, Coach to Coast. we're back with my man Kevin Sweeney, All Access Network. Kev, what's up, man?
1: Man, good, good to be with you, B, as always. I'm excited as always, about man. it.
0: I always love when you dress up, man. It makes me feel like we're really doing something in here.
1: Yeah, I, I dressed up just for the occasion. Nothing else.
0: <laughs> we know better than that, but I'll take it. Uh, so we have a special guest today, uh, somebody who I think is one of the best in the business. He will be a Division One head coach. He's been a head coach at lower levels before just coming off of being a head coach uh, has signed some of the best players, not only in college basketball, but that are now currently in the NBA uh, and just a tremendous person on top of that and can coach ball. So uh, let's talk Oregon Ducks. We have Chris Crushfield coming in. We'll let Sweeney have the big screen for a second and talk Oregon Ducks. And then we'll, then we'll bring in coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly expectations high as they always seem to be under Dana Altman. They do a great job there and, you know, replacing tony stubblefield is you know chris crutchfield and a guy who certainly has done a good job, like a great job in his career doing you know, you know a lot of the same things and more that, that stubblefield is able to do and you know, we saw the track that Stubblefield gets a high major job from it so it kind of tells you the the level that, that this guy is at he's big time and this program is big time they have a lot of talent they bring in you know transfers from you know a huge transfer from oklahoma and davion Harmon, yep. big time transfer um, Jacob Young from Rutgers, Quincy Guerrier from Syracuse. I mean, a five-star big man, Nathan Biddle. You know, the talent level, as always, is very high in Eugene, and uh, it's only getting higher. If you look ahead to the 2022 class, so things are things are rolling pretty good there. And uh, looking forward, definitely to watching the, the Pac-12 battles between UCLA and Oregon, and you know, really the rest of the league as well. So,
0: yeah, and Cristoorte is one of the better NBA rookies right now as well, who was an Oregon Duck and. People, did, people didn't think he was going to be as good as he is, but he is showing uh, showing what that Duck life is all about. So as we talk about players and all this good stuff, Oregon Ducks, let's bring in Coach Crushfield so he can tell us more about the inside. Coach, how you doing today? Hey, guys. How you doing?
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, excited to have you on, Coach. Talk a little Ducks. So we will talk first about you being uh, a head coach. Now you're you've been high major forever everywhere you've been, and now you're coming back to Oregon. Tell us about the move. What made you decide to leave being a head coach to come back to this level? And then we'll talk a
2: little bit about the team. Well, you, as you know, Brian, I was at East Central Division II school and head coaching, coaching my kids, and was really content and really happy uh, being a head coach at the D2 level and, and really found some excitement and joy doing that. And when Dana called, and I had turned down a couple opportunities already, and when Dana called, I just knew that I this was the opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Right. If I was going to have a chance to to try to be a Division One head coach to have my own program at the Division One level, so you know, with a, my family, we talked about it for about a week, and uh, you know, end up being something that we all thought I sh- I should do, and. Uh, we jumped jumped in it man both feet on deck and, and here we are and been six months now and it's amazing how fast time flies but but i'm back in it i'm back in it
0: back in it all the way um yeah. so two two questions for i pass over to Kevin first uh the high level coach that you're replacing on the staff you already had a relationship with him tell the people about that relationship and how happy you are for him
2: well, Tony uh, Stubbs is like my brother. Uh, yep. I tell people all the time I don't have any brother, I have six sisters. He is my brother. We went to school together and we it was roommates and he was in my wedding. And we've been connected, you know, ever since we left, you know, Nebraska Omaha's campus. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with Stubbs at New Mexico State uh, for four years, I was at Lou Henson. And he just been, you know, he's been a great friend to me and he really has been a brother to me. He's one guy that I call my brother. So we followed each other's careers, you know, since we left Nebraska, Omaha. You know, from the time he was at UTA and I was at Tyler Junior College and we went different places, but we stayed connected. So so he gets the job at DePaul and the first conversation was, Crutch, will you come with me? And I don't know if you guys know, we we are close, we're really close. So, and I said, I don't know about having your best friend work for you. I just didn't think that would be a good idea. So we go by, and and then he called and said, Dana, Dana needs an assistant. Do you have any interest in going to Oregon? I said, Ugh. My kids are killing me. My wife are killing me. I just moved from Arkansas to Ada, Oklahoma. I said, I can't, uh, I can't do it, man and i'm telling you three days went by and you know coach Kruger called because coach Kruger and dana are really really close so they put the pressure on me they squeezed me hard and uh it worked out pretty good but i'm so happy for tony because and you know brian as you are in this business you're constantly chasing yep. dreams man you're yep. chasing opportunity to get to the final four opportunity to have your own division one programs and we we've been kind of dreaming together you know, for the last 20 years, you know, just, yep. just sharing each other thoughts about what we think we could do, what we want to do. And when he got that opportunity, man, I was so happy for him. I mean, we, I, mean I cried. I cried because he didn't just take a bad job. He took a really good job in a power five conference. And yes, did. And most of the time, that don't happen. That don't happen. So I was really, really elated for him. And, uh you know, I just knew what that, what that means for his livelihood and his family and uh and i'm ho- hoping he get an opportunity to to really get it going which he will he hired a great staff and yep. i'm just so happy for him, man because uh and he's in a great city i mean how you how you that's turn kevin, that that's kevin <laughs> city kevin lives in chicago <laughs> oh Love my it. goodness oh my goodness so he got the both he got diggies he got chicago and he's the head coach yep. wow
0: Well, you're next up, Coach. That's the plan. We know you guys are going to win, and the good Lord has great things in store for you, for sure. I'm going to keep speaking into existence, Coach. Um, Please do. Please do. We got a couple Texas guys. You know, I always got to talk Texas guys. I'm a Texas Mm -hmm. guy. We got to talk Texas guy. I recruited Jacob Young to UTEP. He was this (laughs) close to coming, he went to Rutgers. But I love that kid. I love what he's about. Uh, I love his work ethic. He's a bucket. Uh, So talk about him. And then, uh, Harmon, I know you were – I mean – if I'm not mistaken, you were the guy to recruit in Oklahoma. So it only makes sense if Lon Kruger's no not going to be there for him to be there. Talk about those two guys real quick before I pass it to Kevin.
2: Well, Jacob, I've known Jacob for a while. he recruiting Texas. I've been in Texas for a while. So before he went to, to the University of Texas, we kind of dibble and dabbled with him a little bit. And, of course, we had a chance to play against him when he was at Texas. Uh, then when he, I knew about him because I, I knew his brother Joe and – I knew his dad, so I knew about him, and he's been here, man. His nickname—I've given him a nickname since I've been here. He's the beast. He is the beast. So that's a good, so he, a good nickname. He, he's our toughest dude. Yeah, he gets through screens. Nobody can screen him. Uh, he gets downhill like no other, and I mean, he, he just has this persona about him that nothing bothers him. He's a tough kid, and you no. Know, He's an older veteran player who's been in school for. This is his sixth year of college, so you think about the experience he's had. He's been in the Big Twelve for two years. He set out a year in the Big East, or oh, I guess it's the Big Ten uh, at Rutgers. So he played for two years at Rutgers and, and using his COVID year, he's a grad transfer. He has his he has his degree already from the University of Rutgers. So you know you're getting not just a an older veteran basketball player, you're getting a, you're getting a man, and he's helped our team so much to this point, and I can't wait, you know, you know, to the season start for him to get off to a great start. Then Davion, of course, is like my son, you know, you know. I started recruiting him when he was a freshman, a guyer, when I first saw him in in Peace Jam when he was playing with. I, I think it was premier or some one of those teams. It wasn't even a UIBL team. And uh, I fell in love with him from day one and just started recruiting him, ended up getting him to go to Oklahoma. Uh, unfortunately, I left to take the Arkansas job, and, and uh, he, he was there for two years. And it's amazing how this stuff works out. Um, you know, I end up getting, you know, coach retires. Davion puts his name in the draft. I have no aspirations, Kevin, of being Division One coach again. I'm good, and this opportunity comes up. He goes into the porter. and how it all worked out. Where well, we're back united again, um, and that was and that's all God. That's all God. And because uh, Davion, we we're really really close, and I've stayed close with him and his family through this whole process because I want to see this thing through because we started dreaming again with him about his aspirations of being a pro and how I could help him. And I'm glad he's with us now because he he, he gives us another dynamic. He's he's similar to Jacob Young, mm-hmm. uh, but but they're different. So you're talking about a two-headed monster in a backcourt with Will Richardson. I just think, wow, you know, that, that you can see, cause people some Dallas problems. Goes. That's, that can cause some people some problems defensively and offensively. We're excited. Doubt. We're excited.
0: It's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna I'm step out of the way and let Kevin take over, but I had to give my Texas shout out real quick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you know the first question I would have for you is you know you had been a, a JUCO head coach you know back in in the early 2000s, but what did you learn from your you know head coaching experience at East Central that you're able to now apply as a uh, as a top assistant at a place like Oregon? What were the things you learned, especially in the pandemic year, where it felt like coaches were managing even more than they normally had to deal with?
2: Well, I think what what it, what it really taught me, Kevin, was patience. And because we didn't start to after Christmas at, when I was at East Central. So we're talking about, you know, there's five, six months where, well, you know, you have to space this thing out. I mean, we, we practiced for three days. We, we tried to cut down the contact that we was having with each other just to give those guys something to look forward to when we really started hooking it up in, in late, you know, mid-December, when we really started practicing and and going for a long period of time. I mean, you're talking about, you know, August, September, October, November. I mean, we were just trying to buy time and put in things slowly and and not rush into it because those guys would get bored saying, when's, when's the next game? When's the game? When's the game? so we kind of spoon feed but just a little bit of information as we got closer and closer to the season starting, and we end up you know starting a pandemic season shortened season uh we only played 20 games and but but it was fun and it was fun coaching my kids but to answer your question what i learned in junior college as a head coach it helped me when I got the job essential just because I had been a head coach. I called timeouts. I had to reshape a roster. Um, I had to hire staff. So I had all that experience in in the background. and I knew how to do it. I don't think you forget how to do those things, but uh, it it really helped me a lot. But I was, I I was a lot patient. I was a lot more secure with who I was and, and what I was able to do. And uh, it was 20 years to go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and i think you know kind of looking ahead to to this group you know you mentioned this kind of backcourt monster of, of experience and talent with you know, young and richardson and, and harman um in a world where you know it seems like every guard wants the ball in their hands and really for you know all these guys they have legitimate you know professional aspirations how do you guys balance getting all of those guys the touches that they want uh and, and, and the, the the scoring balance you need to you know win games at a high level.
2: I think what what we talk about with these guys is just sharing the basketball and and kind of kind of having a, 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 a atmosphere of just playing off of each other. Really, really want to attack in transition and trying to get as many easy baskets as we can because of their speed and their ability to get downhill. I mean, like Jacob and, and Davion is like, they're like Maseratis and Corvettes. I mean, you know, they can go zero to 60 really, really fast. And then then you got, you know, Will Richardson, who's, who's kind of like, you know, the uh, Bentley coupe. You know, he, he can go fast. He, he can go slow. He's smooth. And I think that dynamic really, really can give you opportunities. Up- not just in the half court, but really, really in transition is one of the things that we're going to really, really, really push is trying to get out in transition and score some easy basket before teams can get their defense set. So, so I think just teaching those guys one that both all, everyone can bring it in transition. You just have to right make the right basketball play. And if you, if you're going to be the trigger guy, you got to be the trigger guy and you got to get, you got to facilitate and you got to get guys shots, and you got to move the ball. And there's going to be times where you know that is going to be one person that have a good night, and next night might be the next guy. You know, we got to say in here is uh, sometimes me, sometimes you, always us, and uh, that's our motto here at University of Oregon that we truly believe it.
1: And then up up front, obviously, you know, adding a guy like Quincy Garrier, you know, long line of Canadians that have started at Oregon. You know, what what have you seen from him in, in practice so far, and you know, as you guys get really heated up, in his skill set as a guy, and who I think is like an awesome fit for, you know, the offense that that Coach Alman has run for many
2: years. No doubt, no doubt, he's that six, seven, six, eight you know, hybrid three, four type guy that can do a lot of different things. And what I've been impressed with him, he's a constant piece of, you know, he's a pro. He's a pro that that he shows up to work every day. You understand what's going on. You know, he he averaged eight and a half rebounds in the ACC conference, Uh, not to mention he can score. So now, since he's been here, no, he's been working on his three-point shot. So he's shooting the heck out of the basketball right now. And I didn't know – it's one thing I didn't know about him that I didn't know if he could really shoot the three ball. And um, and that's one thing that he really can do, and it comes off his hands great. And I think he's going to be a guy that's, that that we're going to lean on heavily to score for us and to rebound for us because of his his athletic ability and his versatility to score inside and out. So. He's a talent, he's a talent, and uh, great attitude, great work ethic. He's a competitor, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy that plays in the NBA one day for sure.
1: Talk, talk a little bit about, about your schedule. I know I'm excited to, to get to see you guys in person. I'll be out in Vegas for the, the Maui in Vegas Invitational, I guess. Oh, you're
2: going to be there? Good. Yes, sir, yeah. I will be.
1: Uh, uh, but, no, but talk no, about for- you know the schedule you guys have put together and, and some of the challenges ahead of you guys in the first I'm month not of sure the year. I understand.
2: Well, we 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 open up you know um, home here next Tuesday with Texas Southern, who returns a bunch of players from last year's NCAA tournament team, and Giant Jones will have those guys ready. And Coach Altman already set the stage. They beat this team here, I think, three or four years ago. So so Texas Southern is. Not an easy game to get started with, for sure. Then we turn right around three days later, and host SMU, who's projected to be an NSA tournament team. Uh, then we go up to Portland for a neutral site game against BYU, who is predicted to be an NSA tournament team. So our first three games are going to be challenging games. Uh, they're all at home, so to speak, outside of BYU being played in the Motor Center. But those first three games are going to be – you know, tough games for us, I think. And then, of course, we get started with the tournament in Vegas, which the Maui Classic. And, you know, some people can say we get off to the best start because we got the number one seed with Chaminade, but you never know. You never know about the two teams. I mean, people still remember when they beat Virginia several years ago. So uh, not to mention Wisconsin, Houston, I mean, Notre Dame, you know, that tournament is loaded with some powerhouses, and Houston was in the Final Four last year. So uh, it don't get any easier. Then we got we host Montana, I think UC Riverside. Then We get right into Pac-12 play in early December against Arizona State and Stanford. So we have some really, really tough opponents on our schedule. And in, in late December, we have Baylor coming into town, the national champions coming into town on December the 18th. And you um, know that's not going to be an easy, easy fight either. So uh, I always tease our ops guy, you know Josh Jameson. That's who's done the schedule, and some of it was done way before I got here. I was like, wow, I don't know what you guys are doing. Coach <laughs> Pruden would have never made a schedule like this. But but if you're at Oregon, you have to play somebody, and you have to play people. And in this day and age, strength of schedule do mean something. So I think I think it's a really, really good schedule.
0: Coach, you've been a lot of stops. Uh, what What is your excitement about the 12 in particular? And what makes Oregon different? Not necessarily better, but what makes it different? What makes Oregon, Oregon from the places that you've been? Uh, you've seen the highest level, uh, Arkansas, OU. Uh, what, what is that place like in particular?
2: Well, I'm excited about the Pac-12 because I've never you know coached in the Pac-12. We've played Pac-12 opponents when I was at various stops, but um, – I'm excited just because of what they did last year, the way they ended, uh, over the years, the Pac-12 have never gotten national respect. I do know that. And after what they did last year with several teams being in the Elite Eight and Sixteen and UCLA making the Final Four, I think it earned national respect that, that the Pac-12 is a conference that you, you should pay attention to. Uh, of course Oregon has always been one of those teams, you know, winning back-to-back back champions. And I think I think they've always been a program that people respect throughout the years. And, you know, they made several Elite Eight runs and Sweet 16 runs and in the Final Four in 2017. So Oregon has been respected. What makes this place different and I think is their facility, their attention to details and and and, and trying to to be on the cutting edge of everything that's happening in college sports, uh, from football to softball to baseball and to women's and men's basketball, who's had a lot of success. So I think you have some people uh, behind the scenes that, that really, really want Oregon to be successful, not just in athletics and overall school, the way we function, uh, our research that's been done on this campus. And I think, What separates athletics right now is is the commitment to being the best in the Pac-12 and being one of the best in the the nation in every single sport. So if you look around our campus, we have first-class facilities. Our guys eat better than anyone else in the country. They live in places that are better than anyone in, in the country. So I think that commitment right there to athletics allow you to recruit the best student athletes.
0: For sure. For sure. We we'll, we we'll have to talk NIL next time because I'm sure you guys have all kinds of stuff going on out there. <laughs> uh but tell us some kind of a funny story either now or in in your head coaching time coaching your sons or back when you coached Trey uh young over at um at Oklahoma. Any funny story you got for us coach before you go? If you have any. I'm sure you do, but
2: well i got some good stories i don't know how funny they'll be we'll say good uh, we'll take good
0: kevin likes good
2: I, I'm, I'm trying to think here. the funny <laughs> Kevin's got a serious job
0: coach so we try let to me keep, tell you i'll tell we you try, try to keep it light for kevin
2: <laughs> i'll tell you this story hey we're i'm at oklahoma and, and and i can't remember the game it might have been texas and we're running a big game against texas and buddy hill is, is you no know, he's our star and he's in foul trouble. He gets two fouls in the first half. And Coach Kruger never play you in the first half if you got two fouls. So he's sitting right beside me on the bench. Coach, yeah, let me give me, you yeah, gotta put me back in. And it's a tie game. It's close, it's a close game. I mean, it's a one or 2 possession game. So coach is not gonna dare put him back in. So he's over chirping him my ear, Coach, put me in, Put me in, put me in. So there's a timeout. You know, all the players walk out, and he walks with a side coach Kruger. Hey, coach, you gonna put me in? You're going to put me in, you're going to put me in. And he kept doing it. So it's, there's 12 minutes to go in the first half. So next time out, he does it again. Coach, you're going to put me in, you're going to put me in. He said, Coach, stop being scared put me in. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at Coach here, stop being scared and put me in. <laughs> he said, I'm not, buddy, I'm not putting you in, so stop. <laughs> you know. And we all just looked around, all the players heard
1: Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.